Welcome to the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. England's under-21 team crashes out to Germany on penalties in the semi-final of the Euro under-21 tournament. But there's more. That's right. It happened. Chile lost the final to Germany in the Confederations Cup. We're going to discuss both of those fixtures and more if we get time on this edition of the Arsenal Vision Post-Match Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, and you can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. I will introduce the guest momentarily. I want to set up what we're going to do this podcast. So first, we will dive into the specifics of the penalty shootout, and then we'll... (laughs) Can you imagine? No, we signed someone! Again! We did it again! We keep doing it. We signed Alexander Lacazette. The French Darren Bent is ours. And we paid a scant 50 million euros for him. I kid, I kid. I'm thrilled to see the guy arrive. We will discuss that. And the small, tiny little matter of, well, what is it? Alexis, Ozil, Ox, Gibbs, Giroud, Theo, Jenkinson, Jack, Debushi, Chesney, Ospina. Anybody else? Anybody I'm forgetting? That we have to deal with this summer? I think that's it. Okay, let's get everybody introduced and we'll get started. First, it is my pleasure to introduce Tim. You can find him on Twitter at Stilberto. Hello, Tim. Hello there. It is my duty to introduce Paul. You can find him on Twitter at Pause My Pants. Hello, Pause. Woohoo! And I have been intimidated into introducing Clive. You can find him on Twitter at Clive PAFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. Hello, indeed. Okay, so uh, all my sarcastic and unfunny introductions aside, we did, in fact, spend half of a century of millions of euros on a player from Lyon. His name is Alexander Lacazette. And I just want to quickly just get each of your feelings. So let's let's try to uh, move through this as quickly as we can because we'll, we'll dive into him in depth, how we think we'll deploy him, and then some of the other stuff still to come this summer. Um, Tim, just your initial reaction to this acquisition. Um, yeah, I mean, he is certainly the type of striker we've been going for for a long time, i.e. a Danny Welbeck that can finish, um, which which to me seems like a positive move. Whether he was, well, I don't think he was, clearly wasn't plan A. I think that was Mbappe, but that always felt like a big shot in the dark to me. So, you know, he's 26 years old. Um, he's at a pretty decent age. He's been doing it for three years in France now, like scoring really regularly. Um, so I'm yeah I'm excited about it I'm I'm really excited to see what he can do I think a sh- any half decent striker of that ilk will score goals for Arsenal so um, let's see if he's if he's half decent or hopefully um, a few notches above that yeah I mean realistically there isn't a striker who has started games regularly for Arsenal during Arsene Wenger's entire tenure who didn't get goals. I mean, we can complain about the quality or the style of some of them, but hell, even Marilyn Schmack scored some goals. I mean, so you play for Arsenal, you're probably going to score goals, and this guy's a record of doing it in Lyon. He's about a half an XG a game guy, right? I think he's like .47 XG, non-penalty goals per game. He had 10 penalties last season, but even without them, his conversion and his XG is pretty good. XG plus XA, pretty good. Uh, Adds a little pace, adds a little movement. Paul, uh, Style-wise, is that the biggest upside here? Um, quality aside, just that you think he's a better fit for how we want to play? Yeah, yeah, I think he's great. I think he's really exciting. Congratulations I'm, on puberty, by the way. Thank, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Come over here, big boy, and I'll show you. Can do. Uh, yeah. But uh, so uh, I thought – so I'm going to ignore your question. Uh, agree with everything Tim said and and raise him this. I thought Gunner Blog, I don't have any of my own opinions, by the way. I thought Gunner Blog made a really good point today, which is having watched all his penalties, uh, you know, he has the air of a guy who, because after all, we've all watched all his penalties and all his goals. But anyway, I haven't watched his penalties. He's a really nice little penny, penalty taker. And you could see why he'd be your penalty taker. He has... Poise, balance, technique. He's cool. He's composed. He's a bit tricky when he needs to. Now, uh, so I agree. Someone needs to tell Paul. Tim, do you, do you want to do it? Clive, can I, should I do it? I'll do it. Paul, yeah, we, um, I don't know how to put this. We don't, we don't get penalties. <laughs> yeah, 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 I know. But, <laughs> okay. but, but what it says I'm about him as a player, okay. As a finisher, because right. really high conversion rate, 
you know, who do you want as a to pick as your really good penalty taker? That kind of guy. So I think, yeah, you can't just throw in the the penalties into the into the mix. But he had a great point, which is you add that to uh, his per, his performance in the league, uh, and you say this guy might have a lot of upside. He might be able to. Com- he, he's got a really high completion rate of whatever it is, one in three shots. Uh, he's going to get more shots at Arsenal. And you add in just how cool, calculated, clinical, and clever ooh, he is with taking penalties. And we might really have something. This guy might have not only be able to bring it into Ligue 1, uh, his, his form from Ligue 1 into uh, Premier Ligue 1, he might be able to really kind of take it on another level. Maybe he's got more than his you know, 19, 20, 25 in him. Maybe he's got some real upside. So. Yeah, and, and you're, we're buying him at the time that he should be at the absolute peak of his career, right? He's 26, I believe, so we'll be getting his prime. This is not 26 about 26 in May, Elliot. We're very precise about these things. He's 26, around these he, he, he was 26 in May. So yeah. he's not 27. He'll be 26 until he's 27. He'll be 26 for a long time, which is kind of like being on the tail end of 25. He'll be 26 for the exact amount of time that everybody was 26. Um, so, so Clive, <laughs> not at Arsenal. Um, uh, which non-striker position will Arsenal uh, pl- play him? Will Arsenal play him, uh, prompting everyone to complain that he's not playing his preferred position? That's going to be a debate, right? We're all trying to fit him into the team, which is is he go- is he going to play up front? To do. Is, is that is that the plan? Yeah, I, I think he will. I don't see him as a left wing back, right? So, um, so, so yeah, it's interesting. Like we've all turned into YouTube experts, haven't we? Since we've been, you know. Had a chance to, you know, things, things we thought he was coming. And I looked in there as well. And you look at a couple of things and you think, okay, yeah, he can score goals. Most YouTube videos will, will show a player scoring goals. Funny enough, there's a good one out there about his, his assists. And when you see his assists, they're, they're very um, one-touch type assists, and which is good, which means he can see things early. So that's promising because Arsenal players have got good pictures and he seems to have good pictures. Um, he scores different types of goals. He scores one-touch finishes. He also can dribble in the box like Sanchez does, you know, and, and sit people down, then finish. Left foot, right foot, penalties. He seems quite varied. And when I see a varied player, I don't really worry about where he's going to, you know, where he's going to fit and who's he going to fit with. Because I immediately think, well, it doesn't really matter because you've got, you got all the tools in your toolbox. And as long as you're at the top end of the pitch... You can play with the type of brains that we have in our team. So um, that's promising. Obviously, some people are looking at him thinking, OK, what you got? Can you do it in, in the Premiership? And I think back, I'm not a, I'm not a, a French League expert, but there's a lot of physicality in the French League. There's lots of North African players, very fast, strong defenders, who are going to make it very difficult for him, just as quick as him, bigger, stronger. You know, the Premiership is not the only league that's got physicality in it. So I'm less worried than I was a couple of years ago about his physicality, his ability to survive, because he's got smart early movement. So I'm quite encouraged there. So, um, yeah, it's an encouraging day without rushing to judgment, because let's see him in the league and see how he fits. But yeah. it's encouraging. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, it's if nothing else, it's an addition in a position that the manager has been trying to strengthen for a long time. And it appears he has bought a player that at least at first blush, you would assume is going to come in and be the first choice in that position. Um, I guess a couple of questions to follow on from this. And, And the first one, Tim, for me is, do you have any curiosity as to why now was the right time to do this as opposed to previous summers, in particular last summer when it seemed pretty clear that there was interest. I mean, is there any concern on your part that the fact that we didn't do it until this summer indicates that there was some uncertainty on the manager's part that maybe Lacazette eventually, both because of what else was out there and and his performance, overcame? Yeah, I think that's undeniable, really. I think it's undeniable, really, that if we really, really wanted him, we could have had him um, one, maybe even two years before. I, I was reading, you know, I've been reading up and about him a bit from people who've, you know, actually seen him play football, um, which is more than I have at this point. Hey, hey, he, hey, he was... hey, we've got <laughs> listeners of this podcast that don't need to know that, man. Come on. It's <laughs> cheating if you've actually seen the players playing. Anybody can do that. This is a I, pod I, for, for commentators, pundits who haven't seen it, for people listening in who haven't seen him. 
by, Perfect. by the ignorant for the ignorant. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> of the ignorant. <laughs> but um, yeah, but I read something about he he came with Leon to the Emirates Cup in 2010 um, when I think he was well, yeah, he was 19 because yep. um, I can do maths. Um, so you know, this is this is a guy that that Arsene Wenger would definitely have been familiar with for some time. And, you know, we know that we were in for him last summer and that we bolted at the price. Um, whether this... The thing we'll never know, is this just a case of Arsene Wenger was working off a list and he's been trying so hard for so long for this striker and he's just thought, you know what, I've, I've waited and I've waited to pull the lever and I've perhaps let, you know, decent strikers go because I've been looking for the Goldilocks striker. And, you know, maybe there is an element to which he thought, well this is as good as it's going to get so i'm just going to do it um which to be honest i i'm i'm perfectly fine with that if that's the scenario um <clears throat> and we're you know we're living in the real world a bit but at the same time you know this guy's improved season on season um he continues to score uh you know prolifically for leon and you know maybe uh, and i'm sure that has come into the decision making as well i'm sure that arson's just thought well you know what he's had an even better season this year um, and, you know, if there were negotiations between Leon and other clubs for Lacazette last summer, that suggests he could have gone last summer, which means that Lacazette was probably willing to move last summer if the right offer came in. Um, and for him to, you know, not get that move and think, right, and I'm going to go and prove myself, I'm going to go and prove, you know, there are a couple of clubs sniffing around me, they didn't want to pay the money, I'm going to go and prove that I'm worth the money. And, uh, and that, that's a very, very promising trait. And uh, I, th I think the only other thing I'd probably add to that is we're getting him at the same age we've got Olivier Giroud. Um, whatever your opinions of Giroud, he has improved a lot over his time at Arsenal um, and has continued to score goals prolifically. I think we're getting Lacazette at a higher level than the level we got Olivier Giroud at. So if his improvement you know, in the next four years is analogous to that, um, you know, playing in a team that suits him and suits his style, then, you know, we, we could get a really, really big upside um, off of this guy. But honestly, as well, um, maybe we'll get into this a bit later. I, I do have some, not reservations, but I do wonder how much this is tied in with the future of Alexis, whether this is about he's going to go and we need to not mess around and get him replaced or whether this is us flexing our muscles um, and trying to get him to sign a new contract. Because, you know, Arsene Wenger, when he breaks Arsenal's transfer record, he tends to do it fairly reluctantly. Um, when you look at Wiltord, when you look at Arshavin, when you look at Ozil, these are protracted deals. This is something that was done quickly. And uh, I appreciate that we probably did a bit of the negotiation last summer, which was probably always going to make this summer a little bit easier. But... Um, I do wonder what ramifications that has. Um, and, and you know, maybe maybe he does have to work down the list a bit because we're not in the Champions League. I don't know how big a factor that is at the moment. But um, I think, I, you know, for me, um, I, th I think this looks like a, a good signing and one I'm encouraged by. Like I said at the outset, I think any decent mobile striker could score goals for Arsenal. Yeah. I, I think perhaps controversially, even Jermaine Defoe could score goals for Arsenal. Um, you know, I, actually, I think he probably would. Um, so, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not down on this signing whatsoever. And if Arsenal was willing to sign off on 50 million fairly quickly, then, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm happy if we're getting stuff done, um, you know, reasonably efficiently. So there you have it. Uh, Tim's final verdict. Lacazette will be about as good as Jermaine Defoe. Um, now, I've been pretty mum with respect to my opinion of Olivier Giroud, so people will not have really a basis for understanding where I'm coming from on this. But um, if Lacazette is only ever as good as Giroud has been at Arsenal, but he is that good while playing in a manner that better suits the team, that would be mm. phenomenal. Giroud has been a good player for Arsenal who doesn't fit the style. So if Lacazette is a good player for Arsenal who fits the style, then I think that can have compounding benefits, if that makes sense. If, um, if it's Welbeck well with goals. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that absolutely makes sense. 
I was going to come to Clive, but he's dropped off my little um, little screen here, and he said he's had a power cut. Leave me out for a bit. I'm guessing it was. No, honestly, I think the the fire of the take that Jermaine Defoe would would be as good as Lacazette just blew him right off the internet. Um, So we'll we'll stick with Paul for a second. Paul, um, I mean, I I guess obviously there are so many things that that we we need to unpack about this, but I guess one of the things we talk, talk about is just sort of tactically speaking. What are some of the ways you could see Lacazette deployed? You know, in, in a front two with Welbeck, uh, in the Alexis role if Alexis is sold with Welbeck up front, four three three anywhere across the front three. Like, if you had to sort of guess or or even rank for me the roles you think he will play and how he'll be deployed, what's your sort of premonition about that? I mean, yeah, to all of that, but he'll be the striker. Um... And I, do you think uh, we'll stick with the back three and then it'll be the same sort of three, four, two, one with him in front of whatever that two winds up being? Yeah, I do. I, I think we'll stick with three, four, three. Um, I, I think what might change that is just if our season's going well and we're confident and competent, I, I think we need another CM to do anything different because I think we'll be a, a tend to get exposed uh, on every occasion against good opposition, if we try to go back to a, a four at the back and we've Chaka and Ramsey and Ramsey played 13 starts last year. I couldn't believe it was that low. Um, 29 the year before, not so bad. 23 and 20. That's Those could be slightly off, but that's how I remember the last four uh, seasons from looking them up. So you're not going to get... It, it, Ramsey might have a full season, which would be wonderful, and at full fitness. But if he's not at full fitness and you're only getting a, a truncated half season from him, um, you know, we're going to have our hands full in midfield. So th- that's a l- long way of saying we got to stick with 3-4-3. Three, three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everything the manager said over the summer so far implies he sees the merits and benefits of it. And it seems to be the antidote to his biggest weakness, which is he didn't like to spend too many cycles on defending. That should take care of itself from being super good at attacking and possession, which we we just haven't been that good recently. And and we haven't had robust midfields of interchangeable players. So without without addressing the CM part of it. I can't see how we can switch formations, but Lacazette to me, I don't think you bring him in and then switch him back to playing on the wing regularly. The the only way I see him doing something different than being the primary center forward, uh, maybe paired in some form or other by kind of flexibility, depending on the opponent with either Alexis, God willing, uh, or Welbeck, as kind of a very attacking two where he's still the center forward is if we still have Giroud at the end of the summer because Giroud couldn't get a move that made sense for him in a World Cup year. If we have those two, then I could see some interesting ways of those two playing off each other, maybe for parts of games, etc. But I think he's just going to be out and out our center forward and we're not going to fuck around. He'll be... Thierry Henry, but at 26, well, uh, not in terms of being his level of ability, but that'll basically be his role. His role, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, you, I, I guess... We won't screw around. XG chain, which is sort of a, a new advanced metric designed to measure contribution to build-up play, and some of the videos out there showing his link-up play. While subtracting the goals and assists from that contribution. So it's everything but... So if Alexis plays great on the day and scores a goal... His XG chain would be his XG contribution without that goal or without an assist on the day. So you subtract out the G's and the A's. Um, So Iwobi is a great XG chain player, even though he doesn't score much or assist much because he helps the build up. Well, and and Lacazette apparently has. What was that? Alex Lebb. I I was going to say just like Alex Lebb used to be. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. Classic XG chain guys. Um, And Chaka. Well, so 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 the point is that Lacazette has pretty decent XG chain numbers, as it turns out, and, and the video suggests that he's pretty good at build up. So, I mean, I I think that makes an argument that maybe potentially, if Alexis left and we stuck with that formation, that he could play in the two as one of the two behind the striker. But the player you think has to be excited about his arrival is Mesut Ozil, who gets a runner in front of him who's more clinical than Welbeck, 
and more mobile than Olivier Giroud. And, I mean, that should really reinvigorate Ozil to some extent. Um, as Clive is still uh, melting down his router from the Defoe talk earlier, we'll go back to Tim. Um, Tim, I guess... Well, let, let's stick with the Lacazette thing because there, there's there's more to get to with him there. One of the things that I'm curious about from your standpoint, your viewpoint is, if Alexis stays and Ozil stays and it's Lacazette, I think we're substantially better. And Clive's back, so I'll just go to him. So, uh, And Tim, we'll see you later. It was nice talking to you. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Clive, if Alexis stays and Ozil stays and we added Lacazette, I think that's a pretty uh, powerful attack with a lot of potential goals and, and a dynamic movement and uh, pace in it and could be a really good counterattacking side as well. But if Alexis goes, um, then then it sort of becomes a question to me as to, you know, how we, how we go forward. And so do you anticipate that this is step one of a two-step process where we will have to sign another big attacking player to replace Alexis? How do you see that playing out? I think this is step one. I think this is the the no risk piece. This is a piece that he would do if Alexis stays. Fine. If he goes, I think he'll do something else. And that's where that's where the Lamar Mares discussion comes in. And we always said, you know, we said we said months ago, if Alexis goes, we need two players to replace him. We need someone who can really handle that left hand side, and we need someone who can play centre forward. We, I don't think there's a player that we can just go and buy. And just replace and convince people that we're moving forward. I think we've got to do this with, with not so much quality, but quantity, really. And have two different players that bring two different attributes and bring to, bring to freshness to us. That Alexis brings all on his own. Right? He's a unique player. He's something that there's not many like him out there. And the way he plays, he's very hard to read. He's very hard for his own teammates to read. He's very hard for the opposition to read. So he's difficult to plan for. There isn't a really a, a player like him who plays left and plays centre forward, is quite mobile, comes deep, goes long, dribbles, passes, shoots. He does quite a lot, efficiently and inefficiently all at the same time. Blows himself out, we all know about him. I think um, Lacazette is a interesting player. And one thing I did read about him, much like Tim, done a bit of reading. And one thing I did notice that people say he's very hardworking. His work rate off the ball is good. He presses the game defensively. He works very, very hard. And that that's that's what got me interested in him, actually, because I think it's important that we have that type of player at the club. If we're going to lose Alexis, we've got to have a player that works hard. And I think if you're a player that works hard and seems to be working hard, that transmits itself to the stands and people will give you a chance. So I'm hoping he'll have that time to settle just by pure work rate. And then eventually, as he moves on, I think um, he starts to score. I think he, he might do okay. Yeah, I mean, as far as, you know, putting the, the right pieces together, I mean, lo- losing Alexis obviously means we have to add a- another attacking player. I think that's pretty clear. But a little bit behind those players, you have the central midfield and you have a Ramsey-Shaka pairing that towards the end of the year looked like it could really work, particularly with the extra defender behind them in the three, whatever you want to call it, three four two one, three four three, whatever. Um, The problem is when you get past that, Oxlade-Chamberlain could well be sold. I think there's a strong chance that that will happen. Um, And then it's what? It's Elneny, it's Coughlin, it's Santi Cazorla, rest in peace, you know, not playing next season as far as it looks right now. Uh, Jack Wilshire, who even if you believe that there's still a talented footballer in there, which I'm not convinced of, uh, you still have the question of whether he's ever going to be available for selection. So you really have a, a challenge putting together a quality central midfield pairing in the event that uh, one of Shaq or Ramsey's not available. And I, I think you have to presume that Ramsey will miss some time. Um, you've been very clear on, on some of the reasons for that yourself, Claude. So yeah, h- how do we solve the issue in midfield? I mean, is this a case where we just need to maybe sell off some of the less elite talent that's in line for a position there and, and add a squad player with better quality? Do we need to go out and get a star central midfielder to potentially supplant an Aaron Ramsey? I mean, what, what would be your approach to improving the center midfield? Because just real quick before I let you answer that, I'll just dominate the microphone a little more. Um, <laughs> I would say for the past three seasons, 
Where our season has really derailed, ironically, is not striker issues, but it's central midfield. Santi Cazorla, for three straight seasons, has gone down, and when he has, we have struggled to find a solution without him. And Amen. And, you, you know, if you look at it, no matter what you think of Coughlin or El Nenny or Ramsey or Shaq or any of those guys, we floundered around. It wasn't until we stumbled onto the 3-4-2-1, the and it wasn't until even a few games into that that Ramsey and Shaq has sort of developed a partnership there. So, I mean, could that really be the problem that we kind of, as we have in, in Windows past, Clive, we, <clears throat> we address an area that we think we need but leave unaddressed an area that was arguably more important? Yeah, I think this is a key area, right? So let's let's take it back a little bit. So let's look at what we have. So I think we can all agree we have Shaka, we have the deep line playmaker with the, all the golf clubs in his bag. So we can all agree we we like that player. Um, we haven't got anyone else that really does it. Probably the closest player on range of pass is is Oxley Chamberlain, but he has issues around why why call consistent support line running consistent technical security and consistent performance and mentality right at 23 i could excuse some of that um but he also has got to find his position so so shaka let's say shaka's a given we have ramsey so what's what's he done in the three four two one ramsey hasn't really duplicated Cazorla because Cazorla is a controller slightly higher up and he builds play so what ramsey's done he's managed to create a partnership it's almost not a partnership, but he's able to force play with his running style. So he's a running midfielder that really dominates by the kilometers that he covers, but not by his technical security. Then you have El Nenny, another marathon runner, but maybe lacks the lacks the nous in the top third, and maybe hasn't got the range of pass at the deep lying areas. He's a hard working continuity player, but really it's not Cazorla. Then you have Jack, who just basically can't run. He can't cover the distances. He certainly can't do it in the two. He might do it in the three, in the four-three-three, But really, he's got issues with his ankles, and he's, he's literally got a physical problem rather than a talent problem. Then you have Cochrane, another specialist. He's a sprinting tackler. Again, he's a specific role on specific days. He, he's quite valuable to us. But you can't back him every single week for for the whole season. You're not going to mention the step so, overs. I mean, don't uh, they at least wonderful warrant? step overs. Okay. I, I, and I like him. I Cup like him. Final he's step a good over. player. A good player. He's and, got good uh, dribbling numbers. Yeah, he's a good squad player, right? And we're going to need him. And there, there are times we need him at start of games. There are times we need him at end of games. I haven't got an issue with him. But what we haven't got is that that number eight that really sits just off the angle to Shaka and really says. I'm as good as you, personality-wise, Shaka. Give me the ball. I'm going to now step through this team. I'm going to go short passes, long passes. I'm going to dribble away. I'm going to travel with the ball. I'm going to play make. I'm going to connect to the front three. We haven't got that player. We haven't got that player. So we, that's the player we need to buy. And it is really is a Cazorla replacement by the technical security side. But I think we need a sprinter. Is it kind of a, a Riziki replacement, maybe? A little not bit really, not really. It's a it's a sprinter for me. It's somebody that can sprint and travel. For all the players that we spoke about, only Oxley Chamberlain has got real speed. We lack speed in central areas, so we can be outrun, we can be out sprinted. So we need a sprinter that can build play. And that's when we get back to the Caters, that's when we get back to the Series, that's when we get back to the Kovacic, that's when we get back to the Goretzka. Those type of players, those number eights that can come and get it, that starting positions a little bit deeper, that don't always break forward, but they break forward with the ball. They travel with the ball. They're not looking to run off the ball. So we need something different to Ramsey so we can offer we can offer the um, the different profile. But we also need somebody that says actually could play with Ramsey because Shaka can't play every game. Ramsey can't play every game, so we have an issue there. So it's that type of player we need, a number eight connector that actually can do it with the ball, but also travel without it like Ramsey does. Listening to you describe player, this, I mean, it just makes me cry at what's happened to Jack Wilshire because you're describing what he could have we're, been. <laughs> we're, we're describing what he was, you know, until the, the pitch became too big for him. The problem with him is purely his ability to cover the ground. That's the issue. When he's stretched physically, he gets smashed in the tackles or he's just not at the pace of the game. And it didn't 
improved massively at Bournemouth. They played him higher up. When they played him in a two, they were exposed and they started to bring him on late in games when they went to a two in midfield. So even they can see it. We have a real problem. And I'm not sure what's going to happen to him. I'm really not sure. But he had... That is the player. But I still think Jack needs to be in a three where he's got less distance to cover. So, so would you go into the market two number eights. I mean, do we, do we need to buy? I mean, Absolutely. what you're telling me is we're short. And I mean, Ramsey, look, you know he's going to miss time. This is... This is a worry. Central midfield is where is where games are won. We dominated it in the cup final and we won. I mean, we, we need a solution. If, if you're looking at Arsenal, and you're, you're the opposition. You're looking at us. You're thinking, okay, they've, they've stumbled across the three at the back. They've got an experienced keeper. They've got multiple centre-backs. They've got they've replaced, they've added another wing-back on the left-hand side. So they've got wing-backs. They've got potential to keep Oxlade-Chamberlain. They've got two right-sided wing-backs. So they're covered there. In centre midfield, we've got one working partnership and a bunch of unknowns and people we're not convinced with. We've now got three fours we might lose. We've got three or four, five forwards. We might lose one, but they've got forward potential. What we what we haven't got is a midfield that says, we're going to stop you here. If you press us, we can get out of that press. We still concede too many shots. Our shots on target, even though we went three, four, two, one, the amount of shots we, we conceded didn't really didn't really decrease. We just, we, the numbers telling us that basically we're still as vulnerable, but, we've, but our players were performing higher because of the distances they had to cover. So we've got a problem. So if I'm a manager, I'm thinking, how can I improve this? I need to stop people higher up the pitch and turn us into a, into a transition breakaway team. And I haven't got that defensive technical security in that number eight position. I have a strong running midfielder that wants to break forward. I have a deep line register that wants to that can set us off from a deep position but I haven't got that all action number 8 that can travel that can that's technically secure that's physical and fast if I add that I add a different profile to what I already have and then I start to look at what I need to sell and move on yeah I, I mean it's hard to disagree with any of that so Tim I mean it's Twitter you're looking through your timeline from the stadium team sheet's just been announced and the central midfield pairing is Ramsey Coughlin or mm. Shaka El Nenny, or mm. Cochran El Nenny. I mean, yeah. like your timeline's melting down. It, <laughs> it there are not, and again, no matter what we think of any of those players, they are definitely a step down in technical quality for the kinds of things we want to be able to achieve as a club. I mean, do you do yeah. you think that we have satisfactory internal solutions for central midfield, or is this an no. area that that needs to be addressed? And do you have any confidence in that happening? It's it's a starting eleven um, issue that needs to be addressed. I think we needed a striker. We've done that. Um, I do think we need a wide playmaker, but I'd relax on that if we retained Alexis and Ozil. Um, this is a starting eleven issue because even when we're talking about Xhaka and Ramsey working, we're not really talking about it flourishing and looking brilliant. We're just talking about it not being a complete shit show. And when you when you look at it. Right. What are, what are Arsenal trying to do? Are Arsenal trying to win the Premier League? Even, even Jack are, are Ramsey. Are you sure? <laughs> well, provide the assume, evidence of that. <laughs> we assume that Arsenal are setting out to try and win the Premier League, right? You know, is Xhaka and Ramsey the best midfield partnership in the country? I mean, they look, they look good and they, they've got some promise and they still haven't had that many games together. So, like, there there is a chance it could grow. But, I mean, when they looked good together, it was very much with the stabilisers on. And, you know, Arsene talks about us going back to a back three because of, you know, it was defensive security. But it was as much because he couldn't get a midfield that worked. And so having an extra player at the back and taking Ozil completely out of the midfield equation... And having it as a four, you know that that was with the, that was life with the stabilizers on uh, for Xhaka and Ramsey. And if that if that's the way we want to play going forward, then fine. But still, like you say, even if you take one of them out, then what do you do? We've got. I, I was listening to the the Guardian football podcast last week, and Ian McIntosh described our midfield as um, a lot of three star hotels. Yeah, I like that. That was um, <laughs> and yeah, and and that that's a good description. We've got good players. I mean. Coquelin, yeah, he can be a squad player. Um, I, I still don't really think he works with anyone other than Cazorla. 
and I think that was largely because of Cazorla. But um, yeah, he can be useful in different scenarios, in different games. Ditto El Nene, happy with them as squad options, fine with them. Not particularly keen to move them on at this stage, but I, I think we've got you know a live starting eleven issue, and if Arsenal are serious about winning the Premier League, um, yeah, I think they really need they really need a player there because you know we've definitely got to replace Cazorla, who I mean in in itself, right? This midfield issue has been going on for ages since like Arteta's legs went to heaven. Um, basically, since we had that Arteta-Ramsey partnership, we've been scrabbling around and we fell on Cazorla and Coquelin completely by accident. That wasn't even planned. So we're, we're talking about the guts of nearly four years where we've been scrabbling around in central midfield. Um, there's no doubt in my mind what cost us the league title when we had a good run at it with Leicester. It was because we had to play five months with Ramsey and Flamini together. There's no doubt in my mind largely what cost us our, our place in the top four last season, and that's because we couldn't get a midfield that worked. Um, and, you know, I look at the other areas of the team. If everyone stays, happy, pretty happy with what we've got in forward positions, happy with what we've got at centre-half. We've got a lot of depth and a lot of strength there, I think. Um, Left-back, we've got a lot of depth and a lot of quality. And Kieran Gibbs, um, just joking. Um, you know, <laughs> and and maybe you know maybe at right back we could we could do with some backup to Bellerin, um, depending on what happens with Chamberlain and wing backs and whatever else. But I look in central midfield and I think, yeah, we've got nice squad players. But if we're talking about winning the Premier League, um, we haven't got what we need. We haven't got the partnership we need, and we probably haven't got the quality we need. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm. I'm all out for that kind of that number eight who can do, you know, who could, who who can, who's good with the ball, who's powerful going forward. Again, I, I quite liked Ian McIntosh's suggestion of Renato Sanchez at Bayern. Um, I, I think that's a decent profile of player. You're uh, taking that, a punt on a guy who struggled, who who didn't make it at that level. I mean, I know he didn't get a lot of chances. Yeah, but we've we've done that before. Um, with some success for for guys of his profile and his age and and you know I do think he's got something there and if he can quickly get out of Bayern and restore some of that confidence it could be interesting but yeah we we certainly need that kind of number eight and and to be honest with you you know there would be I'm not saying it would be a good thing overall but there would be much more of an upside potential upside to losing Ozil compared to Alexis because it would perhaps free us of that question and then we could start talking about Ramsey, Xhaka and another um, because if you look around Europe not many, I can't think of any teams really that play with a number 10 like Ozil most of them have fairly compact um, kind of midfield triangles they have like three guys together and yeah one of them slightly more attacking and that could be Ramsey in this scenario, but then you know it, it, it's a fairly tight unit, um, and we, we hey, don't Tim, have it, that. It was interesting. Arson said something recently about talking about how bringing in Ozil uh, made him move to uh, using a ten, and made him move to a four-two-three-one. When many of us might have described ourselves as playing that way before, but in mm. his mind, he was playing with some form of a three. Uh, before yeah. so very much your point that that yeah, also has maybe pushed us to an extreme that arson wouldn't be playing right now if it weren't for ozil yeah because look at his two predecessors in the role we played santi cazola there for one season who you know he kind of played in the 10 role but is much more connected to the two guys behind him and we had fabregas before that um ditto um you know who liked to play in the center circle whereas Ozil plays a little bit further forward and Ozil's entire game is really based on kind of running away from the ball um, because his game is based on finding space, which he's brilliant at, but obviously that that, that causes some problems. So, you know, it, if, if that happened, for example, if we lost Ozil, then perhaps we could really concentrate on, right, let's make this Ramsey Jacker plus another. Um, but, yeah, to, you know, to to answer the question in a more emphatic way absolutely i think that is that should be the next priority and something yeah. we should 
we should look at doing. And if it means selling Oxlade Chamberlain, um, who I like, um, and who can play many different positions in many different roles, if he doesn't want that anymore, absolutely fair play to him. I've got no problem with squad players that don't want to be squad players. I like that. If they want to go and play a definite position somewhere, same goes for Giroud. Absolutely fair play to them. Um, but I, you know, if if that's what if Chamberlain doesn't want to be this kind of high level utility player, I, you know, I I'd sell him and uh, and reinvest the money on on something we can really really use for the starting eleven. Yeah, and and look, I mean, if you are going to play Shaka and Ramsey as a midfield two, you have to stay in the three four three. If we go back to a back four and he tries to play a two with Ramsey and Shaka, we'll break all of our team records for goals conceded in the season. Um, that's just not a solution. Um, and it's not a solution to get the best out of Ramsey, that's for sure. Because in my mind, anyway, he is only a starting Arsenal player when his role is to get connected to and involved in the advanced buildup and, and, and get in the box. If you're asking him to stay on the halfway line, why are you playing him? Um, so then you have names like Siri and Keita and, and Goretzka. And, you know, I mean, Keita's going to be $80 million apparently. And I, I cannot imagine that you would let a player like that go to Liverpool if he is genuinely on the market. Who knows if he is genuinely on the market. Um, Paul, I mean, one thing we saw, Ornstein, David Ornstein from the BBC, the Ornicle tweet that um, with Lacazette and Kolasinac, Kolasinac in um, – we have targets, but nothing close right now and no immediate plans, and a lot depends on what happens with Alexis Nozel. I mean, we've heard rumors before that there is a superstar fund that is sort of separate and aside from the regular player fund. I'm not totally sure how something like that works, given that like it all comes from the same bank account, um, Josh Kroenke's bank account. Um, but I guess what I would ask you, and, and yes, I didn't mean Stan, I meant Josh. I don't know why I picked Josh, I just did. Um, do you think that there is this separate superstar fund and that Arsenal may still be looking at an Mbappe or an 80 million pound Keita or, or one big splash? I mean, in your mind, is Lacazette going to wind up being the big splash of the summer or do you still think they are looking to make another big dip in, into the market? Yeah, I think they're, they've got to be, uh, the vibe is, the expectation being set is that um, we're in for another uh, big name. Now, maybe there's two possibilities there. One is they're just uh, covering for the eventuality we, leave, we lose one or, God forbid, two of our big boys. Um, you but, can't hold both. To their contracts without re-signing, right? I mean that—that's financial. Suicide. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't think we're going to hold either one of them to their contracts without re-signing. Okay. But it, but if we did, it would be Ozil. Yep. Um, I, I I just don't think. I think you either have, for reasons we've discussed before, you either have Sanchez fully on board, or you don't have him in your dressing room based on the the poor dynamic we had last year you definitely want to keep him he's a world-class player he's a winner but you don't want him as a loose cannon that's my feeling on him ozil will do his ozling you probably actually need him committed and on a contract too or he may decide it's not his problem that we just conceded against manchester city he'll get an extra week break in the middle of the season instead of just his standard two weeks that we give him yeah so to me the both players you if you have them in your dressing room they better be fucking committed, and they better have shown that commitment. So w- we've got a huge summer. Um, I, if I, if it were me, if I were Stan Cranky, I'd be more than happy to say to to Wenger, "Listen, dude, you've you've held back so many summers. So many summers, I would have liked you to have bought that extra player this year. Whatever you need, because this is only going to come back and be Stan's." headache in 12 months time if arson fucks it up or if we fuck it up do do you agree that a big amount of that money on that whatever player it is has to be devoted to central midfield are you as as concerned as the rest of us no massively Uh, i'm horribly concerned that we'll do the business everywhere else and get things sorted out Uh, and now i'm not saying it's what i believe will happen and i think it's most likely but i'm 
let me do an Elliot here. That's what terrifies me, that, <laughs> that we're left with the same midfield options or we fucking noodle around and get some guy that Stats DNA liked, but Arson w- wasn't really that pushed at the last moment like Lucas Perez. Um, but, but uh, you know, that sounds a lot better than not getting anybody. Uh, for me, the pro, uh, uh, so I think Clive made some great points on the profile playing we're looking for. But there was that 10-minute rumor that we were in for Pjanic through being Sport France, who may have got it from somebody else. So it was probably utter bollocks, and I haven't heard anything about it since. But that is a beautiful profile for a player who can play with everybody else, who can play with Chaka. So comfortable on the four, on the ball, twisty, turny, play out of pressure, dribble, clever passes. Very Kazorl in many ways. You know, Modric to me is another, anything with an itch at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but Modric. Like uh, herpes? You're not gonna, yeah, exactly. That has an itch at the end of it. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've, been, I've been Benzema. Told. Benzema and Ribery are You can put some there. Benzema on that itch and on your it, it just cures it. Yeah, yeah it's fine. Yeah. So I think somebody with that kind of profile who's maybe not as athletic and sprinty as Clive's talking about also works, who can play with everybody else, but well able to dribble his way through midfield and play clever balls out too. So, you know, there are lots of, there are, let me, I won't say there are lots, there are a few different ways to go, probably a couple of different ways to go in midfield, but we've got to get a really strong CM. Um, or Arson's a fucking fool, and I love the man. I'm do. I say that for his it, sake. It'd be a huge blind spot. Him. But but you know you know what, Paul? Like like it's crazy, right? It just seems every year that he strengthens, there winds up being a blind spot that that he thinks he can make do with the the, the talent he has in the in the squad. Um, uh, and, I, and I would have to. Can I quickly say on that? I would have to fully concede. In other years, I would have argued with you. I'm going to argue with you this year, but on a different basis. In that you're right. Every other year, this has to be the year. His near-death experience, in some ways, stands near that death experience of having to handle this. I, I'm convinced the board strongly pushed Stan to look at a change of manager. I, I'm convinced Stan looked at that and said, "What a massive fucking migraine that is from for him from the other side of the pond." He needs this to work. Uh, Can I make one so point that, though? There, there yeah. is a practical reality, right? I mean, he has. Coughlin, Elneny, Ramsey, Shaka, Jack Wilshire currently has Oxley Chamberlain. I mean, if he's yeah. going to, he, he can't have all those players and put them in the nope. reserves, right? So nope. he's he's kind of stuck. He's got a lot of mediocrity in midfield that he's got to move on to make room for bringing in someone that could really be a starter or push to be a starter, right? Mediocrity is a harsh term, but uh, yeah, okay. you get what I mean. Not uh, not yeah, he needs a, yeah, yeah, he needs a guy. Who challenge? He needs to find a guy who can pl- he can bring in who doesn't challenge Ramsey. Complement has the abilities to to provide other options to to play those other twenty games a season when Ramsey can't play them. Or or, and on, who or can when Chak is suspended. Push forward. Yeah. Or right. when Chak is suspended. <laughs> well, and you know for what, Paul, Two games a year. I mean, it, it just brings back the point that I know it's just a joke, but like uh, that we're. We still have so much of our business and, and what our squad will look like and and stru- how it's going to be structured based on outgoings. And that's why you can pat us on the back and say, hey, we're getting our business done early. Kolasinac was in right away. Lacazette's in at the beginning of July, which is great. But the outgoings are, are going to inform our summer more than the incomings potentially. And, I mean, Paul, isn't it even possible that, like, we could have a crisis at right back? I mean, Hector Bellerin turns in a yep. transfer request. Oxley Chamberlain could be gone, which means there's your right wing back cover gone. You're looking at Jenkinson and Debussy's probably gone. They're both maybe gone. I mean, we could be in a situation yes, based no. on outgoings where right yeah. right back is a crisis. Hector's just going to have to fuck I, off and I, stay. I agree. I agree he's going to stay. But even still, if Ox is gone and Jenkinson's gone yeah. and Debussy's gone, you yeah, have yeah. to have a right back. I mean, is it Ainsley, do, Maitland, yeah. Niles? Just, and then you hope Bellerin's good for the whole season? But there were some good rumors, I don't know who from, uh, but good rumors that were definitely out there for a right back, which uh, first off, I'm like, what? But it makes sense. You know, if we're if we're 50-50 on Ox uh, and he doesn't actually, that isn't necessarily where he wants to focus his energy and resources going forward. Uh, and we might see more of him in CM. You know, he could be part of the answer to what, 
Arson comes up with in midfield, I think that would be a bad answer. I don't think he is proved enough and he's wise enough and mature enough and te- technically secure enough yet. He might be, but he's got to prove it first. So I don't think mm-hmm. Ox can be the answer. But uh, to your point, there's a lot of iffiness in all of those positions. So we definitely, Arson needs to pick his horses. And if he does something counterintuitive as he has every other year, he better fucking get it right. Or he'll be on his own this year yeah. because cause he that wasn't a near-death experience. That was a really near-death experience last year, saved only by an FA Cup. That would have been fucking... Yeah, and we won't be very far away from that this year. And he's got to have got the memo. Yeah, And, and he's got to get himself a CM. He's just got to, a good one. And, and you know what, Paul? I mean, the interesting thing is, right, like, we're in a situation right now where Theo, Giroud... I guess Bellerin, I guess Oxlade Chamberlain, um, Jack Wilshire, uh, Debushi, Jenkinson. The, you know, they could all stay. And then it would be a challenge to even buy because we're over the squad limit already and we can't add. There's a scenario where Theo's gone and Giroud is gone and Lucas is gone and, you know, one of Ox or Bellerin or and both are gone. there are, are Premier and, League salary records or yeah, uh, uh, caps, yeah, effectively. Exactly. And if you keep, uh, if you double Ozil and Sanchez, yeah, they've got. They're going to have some serious business to take care of. It's going to be tough. I mean, we could be in a situation where we can't buy anyone else because we didn't yeah. sell well, or a situation where we've sold well, and now, holy shit, we've got a lot of squad to rebuild. Uh, Clive, uh, not on transfers for a minute, but I think an interesting development. Um, Mad Yens is back. Mad yeah. Yens. He's back. Um, an invincible returns and a beloved invincible, and one that I think if you could pick an invincible to be back at the club in a in a coaching capacity, he'd certainly be right up there. He is a volatile figure. He is not going to be there to make friends. He is not going to be afraid to speak his mind uh, in, a, in a dressing room that has often been about being delicate and being polite and being buddies and, and Snapchatting and Instagramming and Twittering. It's going to be an interesting fit. But it's also an environment where Arsene Wenger really kind of controls everything that happens at the club. So in your mind... How excited are you personally to see him back, but also how much impact do you think he will really be allowed to have? I'm really excited. Um, when people talk about, oh, we should get Tony Adams back, that doesn't excite me. He's not, his personality is just not... He's, he wouldn't be a good addition to the Arsenal environment. So but people like Jens Lehmanns, they are built on standards. He has a standard as a professional that he holds himself to. He's completely bought into... The, the culture at Arsenal. He understands what the Arsenal standards are. And much like people like Martin Keown, they recognise what's really important to be an Arsenal player and they will hold people to account. And I've sat here on many a podcast and said, I, I want to see new people come in with new thought processes, new messages. I want to see a depth of quality of people at Arsenal and, and what's happening in the last few weeks, whether, you know, with the new fitness person with a youth goalkeeping coach with a new contracts person with Jens Lehmann coming in and and no one's left and I'm, I'm, I'm quite encouraged by that actually I, and people are saying that you know the jobs are all safe but I, I wouldn't want to see 10-15 year coaches disappear all at the same time there needs to be a level of handover and continuity so this is great have new people come in but all the old people are still there so they can learn how it works and, you know, what we're seeing now is the start of successioning, right? So, so you know, on the day when Wenger signed the contracts, they said it wasn't a, um, this was a mutual decision. It wasn't a decision on sentiment. And because he just said a number of things and we all raised our eyebrows. But you know what? So far, he's delivering. We're all watching. We've got some selling to do. There's more people potentially coming, academy head coming. Let's just watch this space. But right now, my trust is increasing. And and Jens is one of my most favorite people because he's not a, he's not going to suffer the colony crash. He's going to sort that right out. And um, it'll be interesting to see how much leeway he gets. It'll be interesting to see what leaks in the press, what's leaked in the press, because he's uh, what I call a change agent. He will not sit there with the with the current with the current status. He will look to change it, look to develop his own persona, look to to see himself as a future manager, which he does, and not a goalkeeper, which most goalkeepers end up being goalkeeping coaches. 
So it's going to be a very interesting dynamic to watch, and I, I, I can't wait. Who do you think you will punch first in the squad? Well, it doesn't matter. As long as it reaches the back page of Daily Star, it'd be fun to read, right? So, um, But, yeah, it's going to happen. Something's going to happen there. We know it, isn't we? But, um, if, he, if he's going to establish himself, it has to be arson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, but the, the narrative is we, we, we're seeing people come in, and we've all, we've all asked for that, right? We're all a little bit stale with Bora Pimovic, right? We, we, we've all asked for it. Um, I think what's going to be interesting to see the Steve Bold, Jens Lehmann dynamic. That's going to be interesting to see how that goes going forward. So really, we're starting to see succession in and let's see what it really means. Yeah, I mean, it's great to see. It'll be interesting to see the impact that it can have. I, it's so difficult because, you know, it was like when he appointed Bold, I, I think a lot of people had very high hopes uh, so much so that there was some defensive improvement early, and I think Arson even bristled at the suggestion that it was a bold effect, um, and he solved that problem by having us then concede an avalanche of goals in subsequent games. Um, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, if it is a move towards uh, spreading out the responsibility at the coaching level at the club, allowing Arson to specialize a little more and delegate a little more, then great. I mean, that's modernizing, and that's exactly what we need, stratification of the sort of managerial roles at the club. Um, the, the challenge for Jens is that he doesn't have a specific job, which, you know, after a month or two, we get busy in the season. So I think it's an interim step. I think they're, they're bringing him in and they're going to find him a more specific job in, in the medium term because after a couple of months, what is he coaching and who and when and who's he fitting around? So. I mean, odds are he'll be starting at keeper, so... Um, <laughs> uh, he's, hold on, hold on a second. He's he's the first team coach, right? And and many teams have more than one first team coach. So um, you know, m- more teams are having specialist coaches in specialist areas. They're putting different the coaches coach. that they have different coaches to put on different type of sessions to vary the message. I mean, right now you're saying what job does he do? We don't know what Steve Joel Bold does, do we really? Uh, well, exactly, yeah. but but. Uh, I didn't understand he's co- I mean Arson's the 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 he's, coach. he's the first team manager he and and he said but every single training session but we don't know the dynamics on the training ground we sure. don't know how the sessions are done we don't know who drives those sessions drive different position specific sessions we don't know who does the we don't know anything Right? We, yes. We, what does Steve Bowe do? That's for Speak sure. For yourself. Speak <laughs> for yourself. <laughs> we no, finally got to the heart of the matter. <laughs> what does Steve Bowe do? So many people think, oh, why doesn't Steve Bowe sort of defense? You know, for, for all we know, Steve Bowe may be an unbelievable attacking coach. Just because he played set and a half doesn't mean he's a defensive coach. We don't really know each coach's speciality. It's going to be really interesting to see the dynamic between Wenger and Jens, but also Steve Bowe and Jens, and to see if we can, through Jens, see if we can get more transparency about what really, really happens on the coaching side of things. It's not going to be boring. I'll give it that. Um, well, look, Tim, let's wrap up with this. I, I think there are, there are a lot of questions about outgoings, and we covered it in a previous pod, but I think we have some more rumors that are a little more imminent. I want to walk through a few of them with you. Uh, there have been rumors that Giroud would go. Uh, I think it was presumed he would go to France, but apparently Everton are in for him. I think what they are trying to do... Uh, is help out some tired cameramen in the Premier League by adding Rooney and Giroud and making it so that they don't have to pan the camera very quickly, which can be tiring on the on the arms and shoulders. Um, uh, do you see that as something that could happen? Do you think Giroud is going to go? I, I could see it happening. Yeah, there's quite a lot of smoke around this, and I think Olivier Giroud made could it. Could that quite be because Wilshire's back with the club? <laughs> and. Uh, and and Chesney to come. Yeah. Um, I, I think it could happen. There is quite a bit of noise about it. I think, um, you know, Giroud made it quite clear last season that, it, you know, it was described as a reduced role. But, I mean, it was reduced compared to what he was used to, perhaps. But he was still a big, big feature in the first team. He still started um, plenty of games. And he, I mean, was he ever an unused sub? Um, but, you know, he, he considers that a reduced role and fair play to him for that. He wants to play every minute of every game. And I I want us to have players that do that. Um, and as I said in the previous pod, I think a bit of churn in those sort of squad players is fine. 
um, really, and that we've got to get back to being a bit more ruthless about paring down some of these squad players who are happy to stick around and pick up their wage. And if Giroud is not happy being, you know, probably like, you know, well, literally number 12, both his squad number and, you know, the second anyone is injured up front, he is in. Um, so he's, you know, it's disingenuous to even call him a squad player. He's definitely in that first, like, 13, 14 players. But if he wants more than that, if he wants to be starting every game and he doesn't think he's going to get that at Arsenal at the moment and he wants to go somewhere else to do it, fair play to him. That That's the kind of squad player I want. I want someone who pushes to get back into the team. And if you look at Giroud's career, there have been a few times where we've all written him off and said, right, well, that's him, that's him done. You know, after Monaco or after he got that silly red card against Dynamo Zagreb, and you think, well, that you know, or he gets dropped for big games, and you think, well, that's that's him done, and he fights back every single time. Um, and you know, if you want your high-level squad players to create competition, Giroud's a guy who's doing that, um, who fights his way back into his his manager's thinking. And if he's at a stage now where, you know, he's just coming up 31, it's World Cup year. At the moment, he holds the number nine shirt for France, but there's a lot of competition. And one of his competitors has just moved in on his patch. Um, so, you know, I, I I could see that happening because the player wants that. Um, I wouldn't be too surprised. Um, and I'd, I'd wish him well um, if he went. I'd be a lot more relaxed about losing him if we hold on to Sanchez and Ozil. I, I think my preference would probably be to ship Walcott now that we've got Lacazette in and keep Giroud. But is he sellable? If, I mean, he's on a if, huge wage. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's another thing. Um, whereas there does seem to be interest in Giroud, and 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 rightly so because. You know, particularly if he played to his strength. Even Arsenal haven't really ever played to his strengths, and he's still been pretty prolific. No, he'd you know, score got... forty goals a season for Sam Allardyce. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, you know, he's on what ninety-eight goals after five seasons. He scored twenty a season for us, and we don't, and we don't even play in a way that particularly suits him. So if he went to Everton or somewhere, I think it would be a fair signing for Everton if um, if they're going to lose Lukaku. And they want someone who can replace him quite quickly while they think perhaps to give themselves some breathing space before they come up with the long term solution. I think it would be I, I think it'd make a lot of sense for them as well. Not I mean he's thirty one. Really sure. our squad is over overloaded. We we actually we actually have to yeah. sell. And if you can get twenty million pounds for a thirty one year old when you have to sell yeah, anyway. It's tempting, isn't it? It is tempting. Yeah. Um it's very tempting. Do you, can can I just Yeah. Sorry to, to row back. I Please just want to add something really, really quickly on the on the Jens Lehmann yeah, stuff. Yeah, of course. So I meant to ask you. I was at, I was at the um, Ivan Gazidis Q&A last week, and Ivan is, uh, you know, I've spoken to him myself many times. And I've been to, like, all of the... And he's an unbelievably polished speaker, I think, as everyone knows. The only time I think I've ever seen him fluster is when someone asked him... Someone got up from the floor and said... Ivan, be honest, was the decision to renew Arsene Wenger's contract a unanimous decision amongst the board? And he 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 coughed and spluttered through that one, and he didn't really answer it, which suggests the answer was no. Interesting. Um, which, which, which I think we all probably guessed anyway from what was we think was going on behind the scenes. So I, I'm not particularly sure that Lehman is is, you know, Arsene's choice. Um, I think it, it's possibly been foisted upon him, um, and it'll be interesting to see how that develops. I've, I'm just reading Michael Cox's book at the moment called The Mixer, and he talks about there was a uh, there was a, a spell where Newcastle, you know, looked like they were going to win the league, and then they just fell apart. And you know, his description of their training sessions and their, you know, they just did nothing on shape or defending whatsoever. And then for a brief period, they brought Mark Lawrenson in as a defensive coach. And, um, you know, Mark Lawrenson, basically, he left after about three months and he just said, I, I didn't know what my job was. I had no time with the players. He basically was just stood on the training ground looking at everything. And um, because basically it was a nod, it was a nod to the media. It was a kind of, you know, it was a, all right, we'll get a defensive coach in. And, you know, but then Keegan actually didn't want the defensive coach, so he didn't really use him. Yeah. So, but the fact that 
I like I said, don't think this is Arsenal's appointment. I think it's Ivan's. The fact that he's gone for Jens Lehmann, I think, tells you something about what he wants from from these people he's introducing onto the training ground. He's introduced one of the most, you know, one of the most volatile, um, one of the most challenging kind of players Assertive. that we've had. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Of recent years, and I think that tells you something loud and clear. If if what I'm, you know, what my assumptions are correct, I think that tells you something loud and clear about why he's been appointed. Yeah, it's very, very interesting insight. And I mean, look, I heard Arson might have lost the vote. Yeah. Yes. But but Stan Kroenke, when he puts his hand up, that's um, you know, it's a big hand. That's a lot of hands in the air. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, it's um. It's going to be interesting, and I, I think it, it's not – I don't think this is hyperbole to say that Alexis, Ozil, Giroud, Walcott, Ox, Bellerin, Gibbs, Debushi, Jenkinson, Chesney, Ospina, Elneny, Lucas, every single one of those players I named and probably a few I've forgotten could leave before the end of this window. Um, I, th- I'm not saying they all will, but I'm saying – certainly some of them and maybe a good chunk of them and it it's incredible that there is that much work to be done and so while it is easy to be excited about smashing our transfer record and getting Lacazette in and doing that business early the shape this squad will take is far from clear right now because of the business that's still hanging over us so Arsenal here's the gauntlet we are throwing down to you you keep smashing our transfer record we'll keep doing podcasts you sell crucial players we'll keep doing podcasts Ball's in your court. Let's see it. Um, we'll be back with more when one or or both or many of those things happen. I imagine that there will be a lot uh, that will happen uh, over the next few weeks, and not least of which will be the resolution uh, of Alexis Sanchez's decision. I mean, he says it's already made, um, and I imagine that if he's going, then at a minimum – there will be uh, some exciting players coming in, hopefully, to to fill the void. So we'll see. Uh, Tim is on Twitter at Stoberto. Thanks, Tim. Pleasure. Paul is on Twitter at Poznan in my pants. Hello, Paz. I mean, thank you, Paz. And hello. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. And Clive is on Twitter at Clive PFC. Give him a follow. He just crossed over 5,000 followers, uh, which is uh, a criminally low number, but also at the same time well-deserved. So thank you, Clive. <laughs> I'm happy with my 5,000, mate. Don't well, they're five it. good thousand. I... Uh, I actually just checked, and actually 27,000 of my followers are Russian porn accounts. So there you go. On the bright side, uh, I have never had a healthier self-love period of my life than, than since joining Twitter. So it's all working out for me. My name is Elliot Smith. You should be blocking me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. Uh, please make sure to do that. Hey, you know what? Write a review of the podcast. Give us five stars. Um, that's compulsory. But what is not compulsory but recommended is then in the comments section, write nasty stuff. Uh, I haven't brought this up in a while, and Clive, I don't know if you know this, but one uh, clever reviewer uh, gave us a five-star review and then said he enjoyed the pod, but he would like to punch Elliot in the fleshy bits where his genitals should be. Um, and so, you know, I think that, that kind of thing should be encouraged. In any event, welcome, Alexander Lacazette. We look forward to you starting your first match in the Capital One Cup and then not again until a meaningless Europa League fixture. We'll be back after the next major signing or selling, um, unless it's tomorrow. We're not doing another one tomorrow. We're bored. Anyway, cheers, everybody. Enjoy all the Lacazette uh, videos, and uh, maybe he'll get a squad number. We can talk about that, too. Talk to you soon.